Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. You know, if you would, Psalms 71 and verse 5. David is writing this particular Psalms psalm at a time where many scholars believe that he was being surrounded or being attacked or being chased by the enemy. How many understand that even sometimes your enemy could be those that are all around you sometimes? The enemy in this case was somebody that many scholars believe that was close to David. But he wrote this, especially in Psalm 71 and verse 5, that the Lord led me to. I want to let's read this scripture and follow me as I read it. For you are my hope. Notice this in the midst of what he's dealing with. He says, God, you are my hope. He goes on to say, oh, Lord God, notice how he puts this. You are my trust. Notice it wasn't something that he he dedicated to anybody else, but he says, you are my trust. And notice how he puts it, from my youth. So he was saying, you are my trust from my youth. He had a life. He started out in his youth trusting the Lord. And that wonderful man, you can be a young person and still trust the Lord. Based on what I've said to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. The Lord is our hope and our trust from our youth. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, thank you so much for your word this morning. And we pray that the word of God will have free course. We pray that the hearts and minds of God's people are open to your word. We continue to bind the enemy and cast them out. We thank you that we come to hear a word that's going to cause our life to get better. We, better is here. Bigger is here. Better is here. Better is coming. Bigger is here. Bigger is coming. Thank you for these precious saints that are hungry and thirsty for your word. And they're going to receive it and apply it in every area of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. Today we're celebrating our back-to-school outreach. Today is a day where we consider our local mission to serve and support our students. As a ministry, believe that this investment is beneficial to our youth and young adults, but most importantly, it is a kingdom investment. We see this as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ and to encourage our young people and young adults to seek Jesus and to please him in every area of our lives. He desires for youth and young adults to be established in him, to be established in his word and his way of doing things, to be influenced by him, to be uh, to follow him. In every area of their lives. Let's go to Matthew 19 and verse 14 to look at that a little bit closer. The book of Matthew chapter 19 and verse 14. Matthew 19 and verse 14. It reads as follows. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. 
So we see here that Jesus wants the little children to come to him. When we say come to him, he wants them to be established in him, to be influenced by him, and to follow him. In other words, Jesus wants our children to have no greater influence in their life than him. And I agree with Jesus on that. We don't need individuals outside of the kingdom of God influencing our children when it comes to their spiritual life. I also believe that Jesus used children as a means of teaching disciples what it means to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to Matthew 18 and verse 1. Matthew 18 and verse 1. I want you to notice 1 and verse 2. At the time that the disciples came to Jesus saying, who it then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? But notice when they ask him who the greatest is, who has the greatest influence, who has the most power. Notice what Jesus did. Verse 2. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So we see here that Jesus invited children to come to him. And when he did, he taught the lesson that we are still learning from today. He begins to explain to his disciples how children are considered great in his eyes and makes it clear of the consequences of those who will cause children to sin or to error from the faith, which which lets me know we have to be careful how we talk to children, how we treat children, and how we interact with children. Go with me to the book. Again, we're Matthew. Let's go back and start at verse 1. We'll read down to verse 6. At the time that the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest? Who's the strongest? Who is the one in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And then he goes on to warn the individuals who are listening to him and to warn us today. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he will drown in the depth of the sea. Powerful. That is powerful. I mean, that will be harmful. A millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the middle of the sea will be better than harming one of God's children. What are you realizing now? Our children are faced with daily challenges. It would appear that children are dealing with greater challenges. It means they really need us to invite them to Jesus. They need for him, they need to experience and understand that he is our healer. He is our miracle worker. He is our sustainer, our protector, and our source of prosperity. And what I mean by that children are dealing with greater challenges, according to the CDC, the suicide rate among those 10 to 24 nearly increased 60%. Those is 60% from 2007 to 2018. 
Gun violence was the leading cause of death for all children ages uh, 1 to 19 in 2018, surpassing car accidents. In, 29, in 2019, 3,371 children and teens were killed with guns, enough to fill more than 168 classrooms of 20 students. We can see and often hear about children being shot daily by guns and in parking lots, riding in, along the highway, innocent children with stray bullets hitting them and causing their demise. And I'm always sad when I see that, but then I, this is what gets me, I'll be honest with you, I pray by strength of the Lord. I see people get upset about somebody not being done wrong more than a child losing their life on the side of a road. Sad, in my opinion. On, every, on any given day, nearly 60,000 youth under the age of 18 are incarcerated in juvenile jails and prisons in the United States, according to one report. About 50,000 preschoolers ages three and four years old are suspended every year in 2016. About 50,000 preschoolers were suspended at least once, and it, uh, or at least 17,000 were spelled according to the Center for American Progress, largely because of behavior issues, tantrums, and such like. We didn't even talk about the physical and, and verbal abuse, few food insecurities, homelessness, peer pressure, identity crisis, se sexual abuse, bullying, peer, peer pressure cruelty to children and such like. Yet we, can, we expect our children to go to school and make all A's, take the trash out and complete their, their chores. Children are dealing with a lot. Can you imagine the mindset of a child that has to deal with this type of pressure? Whether we know it or not, our children are facing bears, lions, and such like on a daily basis. The enemy is forever trying to steal their innocence and, and their childlike faith that God wants them to have. The enemy is relentless and he'll start early too. If he can steal the child from the mother's womb with, through abortion, then he'll do that as well. Some parents are doing their own thing, not even putting Jesus first. But our children must be invited to Jesus. He is the only one who can deliver them and protect them from the hands of the enemy. Because the enemy wants our children, he wants them not to know their purpose, their value, or their destiny. See, in my opinion, it's important for us to have a mindset that, a mindset that we, as along with our children, know God in a better way and also know his will for our lives. See, the enemy tries to get us to focus and be distracted by power, by prestige, by relationships, by social influencers, by friendships, by those individuals. He wants us to be consumed by them, not paying attention to the all-knowing God. That's why we have to know and be able to lead our children in a manner that they know the one true God. They got to know him. They got to know him. Go to Proverbs 22 and verse 6. I know you know it, but it's good to see it anyway. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. The Bible reads as follows. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
So we, he's telling us here we need to discipline or dedicate our children in the way, the direction, not only the direction, their course of life, their habits need to be godly in the way they should go. And of course, when they're old, they want to part. And know something about this text is it implies that we know the way because we're going to help them get to that way. That's important that we know the way so we can teach our children the way. I believe that this text is true for all of those who have influence over our children as well, such as parents, teachers, leaders, aunts, uncles, ministers, pastors, and so forth. We have to know the way in order to teach the way. We need to desire the sincere miracle of the word so that we can grow and direct our children and help them to be trained to fulfill their destiny. Go to first Peter chapter two in verse two. The book of first Peter chapter two and verse two. The Bible reads as follows. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So he wants us as newborn babes, we got to desire, we have to have a longing and a craving for the pure milk of the word. Why? So that we can grow. We can enlarge, we can grow up, we can mature in the word of God and the ways of God. We got to be eager for going after the word of God. And we can't effectively train our children in the way if we don't know the way. And we have to understand that God is the way. Go to John 14 and verse 6. The book of John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to know the way, Jesus says, I am the way. This is not rocket science right here. This is no, no grand, grand revelation. This is Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. And at times we are not aware of the way. We begin, see, if you're not aware way of the way, you'll put other things in the way. You'll put things such as people in the way, houses in the way, cars in the way, clothes in the way, social media influence in the way. Sports in the way, money in the way, power in the way, and so forth. You'll put those things in the way, and then they'll become more important than the way, which is a problem altogether. There is nothing wrong with these things in their proper place, but when we put those things first before we put Jesus, there's going to be problems. Essentially, we must trust Jesus, our one true God, more than we trust those things that he has created or what man has created. If we're not careful, we'll become angry and jealous of others in the world because it seems like they have it all and it seems like we are struggling compared to some. And if you're not careful, you might be like me. You may have been there. You may have fought these things. Maybe in ministry, I thought about things such as we could use worldly people to draw a crowd and have a good time here at the church, even charge people to get in and then become popular on social media. But would it be God's way? 
Would it be God's way? Those worldly things will not feed us knowledge and understanding and prepare us to fight the enemy, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. No doubt, some of us that maybe have faults, it seems like we're doing the right things and others are prospering more or faster than we are. David ran across that same type of dilemma in Psalm 73 and verse 3. Let's go to Psalm 73 and verse 3. For I was envious of, of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Notice how David puts this. I was jealous or angry when I saw, he saw wicked people prosper. He saw wicked folks, ungodly folks. He saw them prospering. He saw them doing well. He saw that. It was, he didn't have to discern it. Nobody had to show it to him. And if we've lived long enough, you saw, you have saw wicked people prospering too. If you live long enough, you saw that. And in, and in some cases, you can feel some kind of way when you see worldly people appearing to have it all and we walking by faith and giving and so forth and we don't get what we want in our heart's desire. It can be a problem sometimes if we're not careful. Therefore, we must be rooted and grounded in God's word and remain steadfast in this word in order for that not to move us. Our trust and our confidence must be in the Lord and his word and not what we see and hear in the world. Go to first, second Corinthians four and 18. Second Corinthians four and 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why is that, Paul? For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we see the things that we see are temporary. They don't last forever. But what God gives us is eternal. Seasons come and seasons go. Such as our young teenage years and friendships and high school and our college sports careers and our youth. It's a limited season. Raising children are, is a limited thing. I remember when some of y'all were in high school at once upon a time. Where you in high school no more? You know, one thing I remember, I remember, amen, I, my daughter and I were talking the other day. Uh, every now and then I'll pull my old high school jacket out when I played back in the day. I lettered and it had a big letter on the big side of it, you know. You know, and I think about, ooh, I, I used to run back then. Y'all missed that. Y'all keep thinking about it a little bit longer. You'll get there. I remember I used to play a little ball back then, you know, thought I could play and, you know, stuff like that. Well, that's a memory now. Those days have gone away. I can watch and enjoy watching. But the days of running, hope I don't have to run no more. Hallelujah. 
Jesus Christ is the same, despite the seasons that we go through in life, though. You know Jesus was the same when I was in high school as he is now? Do you know he's the same as when, I, before I was born, as he is right now? You know he's the same as he was in Paul's day as he is right now? And he'll be the same tomorrow, too. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 8. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 8. I like the way that they wrote this here in Hebrews 13 and verse 8. It reads as follows. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. He's unchanging. He don't change. And see, we have to be careful not to place so much time, energy, talent, and resources on temporary things, but shift our time, our energy, our talent, and so forth on the Lord that is unchanging. He is our source. He is our strength. That's why it's important to have an understanding of our purpose through the eyes of Jesus and his word, because it doesn't change. Well, Jesus don't change. We may change. For example, we may change. I remember I used to be Brother Dobbs, Minister Dobbs, Elder Dobbs, and Pastor Dobbs. I changed. But God doesn't change. He was the same God when I was Brother Dobbs. He was, uh, oh, let me get more, more personal with you. He was the same person, he was the same God you were when you were known as brother or sister so-and-so when you first got saved. He's the same God after you've been saved for a few months, after a few years, and some of you have been saved for years. He is the same God. He changes not. But we need to mature in his word. We need to grow up in his word. We need to make sure that we're being changed according to the one that is unchanging. In this world, uh, you can make it big with Jesus or without Jesus. There are many millionaires and billionaires from all walks of life. People can sell. Unfortunately, people are selling people these days. They're selling dope these days. And they're making big money off of it, too. They will gamble, they will cheat, they will steal, they'll get money in ungodly ways, and they will hurt people along the way. They, they will cause all types of pain and grief to get what they want, which looks good on the outside, but on the inside, they're not resting good without taking sleep aid. They're always on edge. They got to have a drink every hour. Ruled by fear and influencing others to be ruled by fear as well. Young people as well as saints, it's important to make it, it's, it's important that when we make it big, we do it by the Lord's way. Remember, Jesus is the way. And when God causes you to be big, causes you to be blessed, you're going to receive it the Lord's way. Go to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. The book of Proverbs, chapter 10, and verse 22. The Bible reads as follows. The blessing, notice this, how you prosper, your source of blessing of the Lord. Not of man, not of the world, not of your way of doing things. It's going to make one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Simple definition I gave you for rich, give you rich for rich this morning is this. 
It's going to be bigger and things going to be better. Things going to be bigger and things going to be better. But it's going to come from God. He's your source. And so when God gives you that source, don't back down from it. Don't tell you you don't deserve it. Some of you have sacrificed too much in order for you not to receive God's blessing from your life. You sacrificed. You gave. You've done without. And now that God is blessing you, you ought to be happy about it. Don't be upset because God bless you with something bigger and something better. Be happy about it. And understand as we go through it that this is a process. It's a process for you to become rich. As you enter back in school this year, it's part of the process. As you get in God's house and stay in his word, it's part of the process. As you learn to trust God wholeheartedly and place confidence in him, it is the process. As you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and influence your daily decisions, he's making you rich. It is part of the process. The Lord promised us in his word. He is going to make us rich because he is a rich God. What do I mean by rich? Bigger and better. Say that with me. Bigger and better. One more time. Bigger and better. And we thank God he's doing that right now. Woo. Tell somebody he's doing it right now. He's doing that right now. David dealt with many challenges in his youth. Just as our children are dealing with their own bears, their own lions, and their own giants. We see in several scriptures where David battled with many obstacles in his youth. Notice, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and verse 35. I want you to notice what David dealt with in his youth. David had a very eventful youth life. Just like some of our young people have very eventful youth lives. More eventful, they probably were going to admit to you. I always have learned that many times they don't tell you everything that's going on. And sometimes you don't need to know everything that's going on. Let the Lord kind of guide you in that process. Notice, and when David is young days, one they, he fought against a bear. I'm talking about a real life bear. Not a spiritual bear, a real bear. A bear and, but you know what? He won. Not only did David fight a bear, one day he fought a real lion. I'm talking about that lion, you talk about, oh, Jesus' name, I, I rebuke you, lion. No, I'm talking about a real lion. A real lion, but you know what David done? He won. He won. Everybody say he won. I want you to notice something in 17, 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or, excuse me, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by his beard and struck and killed it. Boy, that's powerful right there. I'm telling you, you fight a lion and a bear. Woo! Boy, I'm telling you, that's powerful. That is powerful within itself. Not only did he kill a lion and a bear, he also killed Goliath. Go to First Samuel, same chapter, chapter 17, verse 50. Verse 50. 
So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a snow and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. He killed Goliath. He killed the Philistine. The Philistine, according to scripture, very briefly, approximately almost 10 feet tall, was a mat. He could fight. He could fight. I can't imagine finding somebody six feet tall or four feet tall. Ten feet tall can fight, but David killed him. Killed a lion, killed a bear, and killed Goliath in his young age. Think about that as we go into today's text. He He grew up fighting these different things. He had a lifestyle of trusting God even in the midst of challenging trials which would be handy for him when he penned Psalms 71. Now, again, scholars believe that this was written at a time where he was in his older age, at a time where he had trouble all around him. So you can't imagine now, he's been fighting the lion and the bear and, and many different battles along the way. He's gotten a little older now. The enemy is chasing him. And now, he said, I'm going to pen this psalm because, psalm because the enemy is surrounding me. And notice his mindset while the enemy is around him. Psalm 71 and verse 1. He says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. I put my confidence, my hope, and my protection. I believe it's you, God. I believe you're the one that's going to protect me. Let me never be put to shame or disappointed. Oh, I like that about David. He places trust in the Lord and he goes on to say, Lord, you will not disappoint me or cause me to be put to shame. Boy, that is powerful right there. And see, proper biblical trust does not cause a believer to be disappointed. The problem some people have is that they don't have proper biblical trust. And when things don't go the way they think it all, they get disappointed. If you find yourself disappointed in God, go back to God, because you're wrong. I wish I could tell you something more biblical, more make, make you feel better. But if you're disappointed in God, God is not the problem in the situation. You are the problem in the situation. And I have lived long enough that I thought I was disappointed in God, but God turned it around and said, no, no, I'm not the problem in this situation. You need to look closer at scripture and see what the problem is. One of the things I thought about when I was looking at this is this. See, proper application of scripture is important. But if you don't have proper application of scripture, go back and learn what is God saying in this situation. Some people, they just get disappointed in God, but won't even go back to God to see what the problem is. Go back to God and see what God wants you to do in that situation. Where am I missing, God? Where did I go wrong? Was I expecting something that you were not ready to give me yet? Was my character not in the place? See, God ain't got no problem giving you money. God has no problem healing your body. God has no problem in delivering you. But you need to understand, he's going to do it in his time. And that is another problem some of us have with God is that God does it in his timing and not our timing. 
God has a way and he knows what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. Good God. I thought about this. I've been reading in my personal time. Y'all remember the story of Moses when he had to deliver the children of Israel? Now, you know that God decided to raise Moses up. After he raised him up, he went over 40 years, not 10, not 15, but 40 years over into another country before God sent him back. Now, don't you think, that this, this is my pain, don't you think God could have did that quicker? I, y'all don't read scripture like I already did. I say, God, why didn't you do this move? But see, God chooses ways that we don't quite understand. See, that's why you can't lean to your own understanding when it comes to trying to figure out God. Because God does stuff the way he wants it done, and he has a, his, his plan is much broader and much, much more out there than our limited thinking. He knows what he does and when he's going to do it. And that's why when you start asking God for certain things, you know God can do it. You know God can deliver you. You know God can heal you. You know God could have protected you. You know God could have did this, that, and the other in your life. But he chose a pathway not because of what you may have done, but because of his will for your life. And we got to understand that because if not, you'll be disappointed. You say, well, God, you didn't do like I thought you were going to do. And you didn't say like I thought you was going to say. And you did not do this, that, and the other. But God said, yeah, I was, I was doing what I said I was going to do the whole time. It's not my will, but your will that must be done, God. Remember when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he asked God, remove this cup from me. But he said, I'm not removing it. <laughs> Paul said, I've got this situation that I'm dealing with. I asked God to remove it three times and God chose not to move it. Now what about you? What is God dealing in your life that he has chosen not to move? What person, what thing, what situation has he decided not to move out of your life? And it's not about the person. It's all about you. I, 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 I don't think they heard me. Tell, this thing is about, don't, don't, don't get too close because I might be upset with you. Tell them, it's not about the situation, but it's about, it's about, it's about who? Because mm-hmm. God can move it anytime he wanted to. Y'all think God is, is sitting around sweating over your supervisor. You think God is sweating over your finances right now? You think God is sweating over the situation you're dealing with right now? You think God is, listen, he know your body being challenged. You think God is sitting there, oh my God, what am I going to do? Woo! God doesn't do that. He, he's too infinite. He knows everything. He knows everything. That's why we have to trust him. I like what David said, he, but notice what David did. He asked God for something that he could do. He knew, See, I'm saying some preachers can disappoint you. Uh, I could preach, I could disappoint you, parents can disappoint you, organizations can disappoint you, jobs can disappoint you, businesses can disappoint you, I mean, all people can disappoint you, but God does not disappoint. And so David went on to ask God to do something that he can, can do and would do. Notice in 71 and verse 2, deliver me in your righteousness. 
and cause me to escape. You're crying your ear to me and save me. So he, David knew God would deliver me. He'll rescue me in his righteousness, in his truthfulness. He's got, he can rescue me. He can also cause me to escape. Ooh, shut up. Ooh, good God Almighty. I can be in the middle of it and he can cause me to escape. Y'all missed that. They wanted to cru- they wanted to hurt Jesus at one point while he was ministering, but Jesus just walked in the middle of them because it wasn't his time yet for Daniel. They wanted to hurt Daniel a long time before they actually got him to the lines then. But they couldn't harm him because it wasn't Daniel's time yet. Sometimes, it, see, really, I, want, I, I think God wanted to show out on Daniel. I think he wanted to show him. Look, y'all ain't got a big enough challenge for me yet. I need y'all to throw him in the middle of some lines. And since so some of y'all wait for God to deliver you, and God said, we, yeah, they, got, they got a big enough challenge for me yet. Because if you got something small, you're like, well, I get out of that myself. But when you get in the middle of a line then, what you going to call on them? You ain't going to call me because you call me. I'm like, Lord, help me right now. <laughs> Somebody call 911 because I ain't going down there to get them. Only one that could deliver my line then was who? God. And he did. And see, some of us, the enemy would get you if he could. But sometimes God is waiting for the, the enemy to get a good enough trap to let him let people know that he's your God and your Savior and your master and your everything. Isn't it good to know that God loves you enough that he's keeping you in the midst? The enemy thinks that he's working something against you, but God, God got you. Oh, tell somebody God got you. Oh, he can cause you to escape. I could preach that, but I got to go on. You're going to say, when we ask the Lord to deliver us, we're saying that no matter what comes our way, the Lord has the power to rescue me and nothing can stop him from rescuing me. When you ask God to deliver you, when you ask God to rescue you, you're saying, God, I don't care what weapon that is formed against me. Nobody can stop you from rescuing me. Nobody can stop you from getting me out. Nobody can stop you from healing my body. Nobody can stop you from getting me out of death. Nobody can stop you from protecting me. I'm asking you, God, to do that. Man can disappoint. See, see, David had lived long enough to see God deliver him out of the hand of the enemy. The lion, the lion, he fought the lion when the lion grabbed the bear. I mean, the sheep. He fought the, the bear when the bear grabbed the sheep. He fought the lion and he defeated him. What are you fighting? What are you fighting? What are you fighting right today? July the 11th, 2021. What are you fighting right now? God can deliver you. God can protect you. And when you ask God to get you out, you're saying, hey, I don't care. I'm going to you, God. Because the IRS can't stop you. Doctor can't stop you. Bill collector can't stop you. Nobody can stop you from delivering me. Nobody. Nobody can stop you from delivering me. Oh, God, I'm getting ahead of myself. When, when nobody can stop you from delivering me. Woo, young people, that's be your testimony. God got the power to rescue you. God has the power to deliver you. God has the power to rescue you from suicide, gun violence, identity crisis, incarceration, peer pressure, 
food, in, food insecurities and such like. Regardless of what you're dealing with, all things are working together for your good because you love God and you're called according to his purpose. Thank God for Romans 28 because it's working out for your good. It's beneficial to you. It's going to make you happy. It's going to bring joy on the inside of you. And as long as you stay in this word, it's going to work for your good. As we live by the word of God, we should expect to be protected from the enemy, even though we have to encounter the enemy. We have to encounter the enemy. I'm not going to tell you you're going to walk around and never encounter the enemy. But you got to learn that God can protect you when you do encounter the enemy. I was, we, I'm never going to have a, you're never going to fight the enemy. Please, Jesus walked on the earth. He had to deal with the enemy. You know you have to deal with it. Paul had to deal with the enemy. Everybody has to deal with the enemy, but understand God can protect you when you're dealing with the enemy. Thank God he protects us. He protects us. And this is what I, I, I learned as I was looking at this text. You can't go by your surrounding and think that everything is peaceful. Just because it looks peaceful don't mean it is peaceful. Sometimes we get caught up in what we see. But remember we talked about earlier, what we see is only temporary. Sometimes what looks peaceful around you is only temporary. You ever watch a good show and all of a sudden things are calm. And all of a sudden, boom, it just got real. It just got real up in him. It was peaceful. I was watching a show the other day. I showed my wife this, this show I was watching. It was peaceful. I mean, you know, just going through and just, it was peaceful. All of a sudden, you heard something in the back go, woo, boom. It just got real. See, sometimes in our life, we get so caught up in our surroundings, we think that everything is all right. Because we're not following the omniscient God. We're not praying like we need to. Oh, I ain't gonna go. Ooh, all my bills paid right now. What that brother said? Let's just sit back and relax and just, woo, everything good. Woo. Boy, that's, I'm telling you, when I, this, I've been living so long, I, I pray my, I, I need to be delivered. When things get too peaceful, I'm looking. What's been happening? I, I know I should be in a place where I, I, I should just relax in the calmness, but I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? What, what's going to go on? Lord, let me get ready. And, and so now, instead of me just relaxing and looking, I'm saying, Lord, Father, in Jesus' name, I start praising. I start giving God glory because I got to get ready. Tell your neighbor, I got to get ready. And see, so everybody talking about, well, it's peaceful. Yes, it's peaceful in your home, but it don't take but one bill to try to disturb your peace. Thank you all for the four-way man. It's people on the job. It don't take but one person to come and cause chaos. One, not 15, but what? One. It don't take 22 people to cause chaos. It just take one disgruntled employee to cause chaos. You can't always go by your surroundings, whether or not you got peace or not. And so he goes on to say, in Psalm 71 and verse 3, be my strong refuge, God, to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandments to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. I like what it says here. Be my strong fortress, which I may resort to or enter in continually, always. 
See, one of the things I've learned about this, you may not have a quote unquote natural place to go to, but you can go to a spiritual place where you have peace that passes all understanding. That the, whatever goes on around you, you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. God is my rock and my fortress. He is the one that I look to, the one that we look to for our strong place. He is our strong place. He is our dwelling place. Thank God for who he is in our lives. And we need, David knows, and just like we need to learn and know that God is our rock and our fortress. Our fortress represents something that protects you. Doesn't mean he'll take you out, but he will protect you. He will protect you. I, when I go to God, I can expect God to keep me, keep the enemies out, and he's strong enough to keep me in that dwelling place. Thank God he keep my enemies out. Let me tell you something. You could be in the midst of your enemies, but he can still keep them out of your head. Keep them out of the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you act. And I appreciate that. And, and we need to learn that lesson. Regardless of what we deal with, God does not change. He's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Go to Psalm 71 and verse 4. Remember what David's dealing with. He's asking the Lord to do some things that only God can do. He's put his trust in God. He says, notice what he says here in Psalm 71 and verse 4. Deliver me, my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous, and the cruel man. Notice the three sets of people that David has asked God to deliver him from. The wicked, people who are hostile to God, criminals guilty of sin against God, wicked individuals who, wicked, one word for wicked is twisted. They're twisting the way of God and they try to twist God's way of doing things in your life. Watch out for wicked people that don't want you to do what's right according to scripture. Watch out for wicked people. David said, be watch out for wicked people. Not only that, the unrighteous people, people who act wrong, unjust, those that deviate from the will of God for your life. You know, it's last week we were talking about those some type of people that you have to deal with, that God's warned us again this week. We got to watch out for certain people. And what I want us to understand about this, he's not talking about people way on the other side of the world. He's talking about people that are, that could possibly have influence in your life. To try to get you away from the will of God. And the third one he talks about is the cruel man. People who are ruthless, those who show no pity or compassion toward others. Watch out for ruthless folks. Those that show no pity or compassion toward others. Young people and seasoned folks are going to be faced with those groups on a regular basis, sometimes a daily basis. God's not going to hide you from everybody that's wicked around you. Thank y'all for the four amen. If you don't believe me, keep living. Sometimes you're going to end up shopping with them. I mean, you didn't ask for it. Sometimes you're going to be sitting at one table, they're going to be sitting right behind you. And you're going to hear them talking wicked stuff. And you're like, Lord, why did I get this table? Oh, why I got this table called these folk behind me. Woo, you'll help me, Lord. But that's his part of it. But God can protect you even if wicked folks sit behind you. 
either behind you in line or in front of you in line. God can protect you. That's why David said, he's my fortress, my hiding place. He's the one that I escape to. The giants at this hour are too big or too intellectual, too got too much skill set and so forth for us to do it on our own. We need God's help. Young people as well as old people, we need God's help. So uh, we, fit, we, we go to Psalm 71 and verse 5. Remember, David has learned all these things that he's growing up and he's gotten a little older and he picks it up here. And what I love about Psalm 71 and 5 is this. He says, Lord, you are my hope. No longer. You're my hope, God. If I'm going to get out of this, only you can get me out. You know, I was thinking about this, and this may be, you think about it. If God doesn't get me out, I may not want to get out. I may want to stay there until God gets me out. Because if people start getting you out of stuff, people start having expectations that God don't necessarily want you to. So understand, when God leaves you to get out, he wants you to get out, he's going to get you out. But I like this other part. He says, you are my trust, God. I like this personally. You're my trust. I like the way God, David put it. You're my trust, God. I, I, my trust. Woo, I like personal. You're my confidence, God. You're my safety. You're my security. And I started when I was a young person. David started when I, he was young. You know what, what I thought about, though? You may not have started when you was young, but you start wherever you are. You start as a young believer. Young believer may be 32. Young believer may be 42. Young believer may be 52. Young believer may be 72. Young believer may be 92. Young believer may be 102. But wherever you start at, start there and trust and learning how to trust the Lord wholeheartedly. Learn how to trust him wholeheartedly. Don't say because I didn't start when I was 10 or 5 or 15 or 20, I can't trust God. No, you can start wherever you are and learn how to trust the Lord. And and one thing I wrote down, I need for us to understand, we don't trust nobody at the same level that we do God. We trust people at, at certain levels. I trust my wife. She's at a certain level. I trust my children at a certain level. I trust people around me at a certain level. But nobody is up here with God. Nobody's up here with God. I love you, but you ain't up here at this level. I appreciate you, but you're not up here at this level. You are in a human. God is all-knowing, almighty, and all-powerful, and nobody gets the same trust that he gets. Nobody get whoa shot mm, Nobody gets the same trust that God gets. David had went through a lot in his life. He went through a lot. David had many victories, many many conquests, many many things that he has done in his journey with Christ. But he said, "You know what? I started out in my youth." I started out in my youth. Lord, you are my trust. I trust you, God. I trust you. And when a young person has a mindset when approaching life, a mindset that they're going to trust the Lord, they attack life in faith. Notice what David did. He attacked life in faith. 
See, they, they, they haven't lived long enough to put up cautionary barriers to hinder them from walking by faith and not by sight. Sometimes we're not careful. We'll put up, we've lived so long, we, we automatically put up cautionary uh, barriers. But some young people, they just go out and they just, sometimes I look at young, some young people are like, whoa, you sure about that? <laughs> because why? They have put up, they didn't put them cautionary barriers that we put up sometimes. They didn't go out and they just do it. There's some unsafe folks that go out and just try stuff. Now we that walk by faith, we ought to know we're going to run across one or two believers. They're going to, look, they 20 years old from the body first house. Like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. No, is God leading them to do it? Follow the omniscient God. You follow me? We must be careful not to instill fears we have dealt with in the past on, onto the youth. But to advise them based on them trusting God, no matter the decision. Let me read that to you one more time. We must be careful not to instill fears we have dealt with in the past onto the youth, but to advise them based on them trusting the God, trusting God wholeheartedly, no matter the decision. They got to learn how to trust God themselves. I wish I could, I, you know, sometimes I wish I could just, but my family, church members, uh, ones that I, pastor, you got to learn how to trust God yourself. You got to learn how to pray yourself. You got to learn how to give yourself. I can talk about giving all day. But until you see the power of giving working for you, then you're going to be, okay, what passed out, he wasn't just saying something. This thing worked right here. This thing worked right here. Let me tell you something. I can't back up God's word. Only God can back it up. So when they learn how to trust God wholeheartedly, well, I like what David said, though. I started in my youth. I started in my youth. To my young people, you got an opportunity today to start in your youth, trusting God wholeheartedly. And your life will be so much bigger and so much better than my life and anybody else. But you got to start. This is a good place to start. Some of you who have started, just continue in trusting God wholeheartedly. David started from his youth, and when he got in a situation, he said, Lord, I started trusting you when I was young. What about us? Can we go back to the time we started trusting God? Whether we was 42, 12, 82, wherever it is, we're trusting God wholeheartedly. The Lord is our hope and our trust for my youth. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.